Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Psalms this morning, the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 6. Psalm 6 this morning. To the chief musician on the Neganoth, upon the Shimoneth, basically meaning an eight-string instrument. A psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee in the grave. Who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. My eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all your goodness and your grace. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in this house, in Benita Springs, Florida, at this time with these people to preach your word. Pray, God, has already been preached that, Lord, uh, prayed that, our pastor would be able to come back tonight, that you would heal him and help him. Return him back for us tonight. But Lord, in this hour, Lord, may your word go forth and may your spirit do what no human can do. Speak to the very spirit of people. We thank you and praise you for all you will do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ever waited for something for a long time? I think of dear Faye back here. Eight years, her husband had cancer, 16 months with no solid food. But now he's eating manna in heaven and rejoicing with the angels. Many of you in life are waiting on things. Maybe you're waiting on a loved one to get right with God or be saved. Maybe you're waiting on something to happen in your life, uh, something almost miraculous And it seems like it's going to be an impossibility for it ever to happen. Because we live in this world of instantaneous, don't we? We live in a land of instant coffee, and praise God for it. (laughs) Instant information, instant pain relief. Just put on the patch or take the pill. But it's in the waiting of life that we struggle. I remember going out west this last summer, and it's been about... 25 years since I've been out west and going from town to town especially in the states of of Arizona and Utah and Colorado many a time I'd hear from the back seat of our car how long daddy (laughs) how long till we get to that next town or that rest rest stop (laughs) 
And some of those places you stop at, you don't want to actually stop at at all. <laughs> but you don't have much of a choice. Because the next place may be a couple hours down the road. <laughs> the West is wild. Wild. I want to think about three things this morning, three points. Number one, that God delights to provide our need. God delights to provide our need. Think about the life of Abraham. Imagine some of you are 70, 75 years old. God coming to you tonight and saying, you're going to have a child. <laughs> Post that on Facebook. <laughs> the whole thing will crash. <laughs> we won't believe you. But the Bible says in Hebrews eleven eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called out to, into a place that he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord had said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy a great name, and thou shalt be a blessing. The thing of that is, to, to, to be a great nation, you've got to start with having kids. And he wasn't a young whippersnapper. He wasn't 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. He was hitting 70, and his wife was about 10 years behind him. And at that time, you're not thinking about diapers. You're thinking about retirement and what's going to happen in the end, not beginning all over again. But God has a purpose and a plan in the life of Abraham that I'm sure at the very beginning he could not quite understand and could not quite grasp. And God was going to make him, make him wait. For we see years later in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. He said, Lord, I, I don't have any children yet. Sarah's not pregnant yet. All I have is this, this, this servant. And he certainly didn't want to give his, his inheritance to the servant. More years pass. And Abram is set 85 years old. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid named an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And and Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from the bearing. I pray thee, go into thy maid, that it may be that I have obtained children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. And isn't that what we usually do? Instead of trusting in God's word, we go to the plan B. We get impatient. And probably after about 10 years, uh, Sarah's looking at him, and Abram's looking at her, and they're saying, Well, is it you, and is it us, or is it him? What's the problem here? So Sarah says, let's plan B. How about you take the handmaid? You go into her and have a child. More years pass. He's 90 years old. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And Abram was 90 years old and nine. Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Verse 5, he makes this promise, verse 15, makes this promise to Sarah. And God said unto Abraham, as to Sarah thy wife, and thou shalt call her name Sarah, not Sarah, shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she'll be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. 
And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. <laughs> he laughed. Could it be that now at this old age I should have children? And you can imagine you would laugh too, wouldn't you? You would laugh too. And he says in verse 18 some interesting words. He says, Abraham said unto to the God, Oh, that Ishmael might live forever. Oh, that he might live before thee. God, let it be Ishmael. I'm tired of waiting on Isaac. I wonder this morning, are you tired of waiting on Isaac? Are you tired of being sick? Are you tired of just being tired? <laughs> are you tired of the division in our country? Are you tired of the troubles in our land? Are you tired of politics and policies? Are you tired of weariness, maybe in your own family and the troubles and sorrows that sin causes in the lives of others or maybe in your own life? Are you weary? And maybe you're crying out this morning, how long, oh Lord, how long? It seems to me God is more concerned than for, about our character than the calendar. It seems to me he cares more about us trusting him than the, the trials that we're going through at the moment. Oh, that Adam and Eve could have waited on God instead of eating that forbidden fruit. Oh, that Achan could have waited and not taken the accursed thing. Oh, that Peter, James, and John could have waited a little bit longer for the master instead of sleeping. But it is our tendency to want things now, isn't it? Oh, young man, young lady, wait on God's best for you. For how foolish it is to go for that which is right in front of us sometimes. I remember when Angie and I were engaged, we started talking about, because we were, we were going to get married. She was 25, I was 24. We started talking about kids. We said to ourselves, after we get married, we're going to wait five years. I don't know why. I can't remember why we said that now, but we just said, hey, five years sounded about right. So we thought, well, okay, we'll wait five years, and we were about 30 years of age, <clears throat> and uh, we'd just actually been down here, and you thought, that, hey, now we're settled, we're at a good place, and in Florida, we've got a job, she has a job, and we'll, we'll start having children. And so we, you know, um, went that way and um, prayed and asked God for direction and wisdom and, and working with teenagers, and, and then days become months. And months became years. And again, it's the Abraham and Sarah. Is it you? Is it me? Is it God? And we thought to ourselves, maybe we're not going to have children. Maybe it's not God's will that we have kids. And then a wondrous day, I remember my wife coming to me and saying, our little truth is coming. Our truth is coming. The days of waiting and praying is over, and God gives the answer to prayer. See, he will provide what is needed in the right time, but his time may not be your time. Are you willing to trust him? See, the Bible says in Nahum 1-7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. He's good. I don't understand what he's doing it. 
I don't understand his ways, but I simply put my small hand into the hand of omnipotence and say, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you because I know you're good. And you will do what is best for me in your timing. And maybe not in mine. And that's okay. Abraham's great-grandson also struggled with this thing called waiting. Remember his great-grandson named Joseph? Remember the dreamer? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream and told his brethren they hated him more for it. For the Bible says in Genesis 37, 6, he said unto them, Here I pray thee this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. Behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And thou hated him the more for his dreams and for his words. They didn't take too kindly for the idea of Bigger brothers bowing down to younger brothers. And I don't think we would either, would we? But he was given this dream. And one day he was sent by the father to check on him. And they didn't like that too much either. You ever heard of sibling rivalries? Uh, well, especially in this situation, when you had four cats in the kitchen and just one male, that's a whole lot of trouble. There was a whole lot of jealousy in that home, household. And they didn't like their younger brother telling them what to do and telling on their dad. They didn't like that too much, so instead of killing him, they threw him in the pit. The Bible says in Genesis 37, verse 24, and they took him and cast him in the pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And eventually, they sold him to the Ishmaelites, and they went down to Egypt. So he went from the, the pit to a palace where there was a man by the name of Potiphar there. Of course, he worked under Pharaoh, an officer, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him in the hand of the Ishmaelites, which brought him down thither. But the Bible says a beautiful thing in chapter 39, verse 2, that Joseph wasn't bitter, nor angry, nor mad. The Bible says that the Lord was with him. And you may see this morning, you say, hey, I feel, I feel like I'm in a prison, or I feel like I'm in a pit. I feel like I'm in a bad place. But you can be in a bad place, but still be trusting God. Because the Bible says the Lord was with him, was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And of course, we know there in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife cast his, her eyes upon him. And day by day, she chased after him. But thank God, he kept his character but lost his coat. But she told on him. and He had to go to prison. And there in prison, I'm sure it had been easy to get mad at God. Lord, you showed me these dreams. You made promises to me. Things are supposed to be this way. And maybe you're feeling like in your life right now, things are supposed to be different. My career path has taken a turn. I'm supposed to be here financially. Actually, I'm down here financially. Friends are supposed to be treating me this way, and they're treating me this way. Family's supposed to be taking care of me here, but I'm not being taken care of at all. What a sad thing. I go to many nursing homes, and I see the, the sadness of folks sometimes who have not one visitor come by and see them. Not one. Maybe you're in a prison situation as Joseph found himself but even in that prison situation God could use you because Joseph was good at something called interpretation of dreams and there was a butler and a baker there who needed interpretation and they got their dreams interpreted of course ultimately the baker was killed and the 
The butler survived, and after two more years, he remembered Joseph after Pharaoh was having his dreams. And Pharaoh heard about him, and Joseph got to interpret his dreams. And because of that, Joseph was brought up out of the prison and used in a great and mighty way. You see, we do not know what God is doing in our life right now, but I can promise you, brother and sister in Christ, he is doing something. You see, our Father in heaven does not slumber or sleep. He is not slack concerning his promises to us. He has a way in the whirlwind. If you'll just trust him with all your heart, if you'll not lean on your understanding, if you'll just acknowledge him in all his way and all your ways, he will direct thy steps and guide you in the path that he has before you. But you have to trust him. You have to believe in him. You have to stay the course, even though you may be in a pit situation or a, or a prison situation, but ultimately, God used him in the palace. And in the palace, in a place of prosperity, God was using him not just to help his own family, but to save his entire family alive. At 13, he couldn't see it, but at 30, he could. You may not be able to see what God's doing right now in your life. But do you believe him enough to say he will do something if I'll just keep trusting him and believing him? Oh, dear brother and sister in Christ, don't quit praying on that for that loved one who's not right with God. Don't quit praying for that person who's struggling in your life. Because you never know what God is going to do in your life if you simply stay the course and keep trusting. God used Joseph in a miraculous way, not just to save his family, but to save all of Israel. The Bible says when he got an opportunity to stand before his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse, verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear not. I will nourish you and your little ones and be comforted. And they spake kindly unto them. Oh, how God used him in a great and wonderful way. He didn't get mad at God, and he didn't choose to quit. He kept on the path, believing the promise that was given to him. God is a God of provision, and God is a God who keeps his promises to his people. Do you believe it? Man, I hope you do. I think of this man by the name of Louis Zamperini. He was a, a bombardier for the army. I don't know if you've read the book Unbroken, but wonderful book. He was in a recon mission on a search for a lost aircraft, and the, the airplane had uh, technical difficulties and eventually crashed 850 miles away from Hawaii. It was just three of them survived, and they survived for 47 days on a raft in the middle of shark-infested waters. 47 days. I'm not going to tell you all the details. You'd like to read it because it's a wonderful tale, but there came a point on these 47 days where he cried out to God to save him, and God miraculously saved him through a wonderful storm and did some wonderful things. Sitting there on that raft, I'm sure he thought, I'm going to die any time. And sadly, one of the three did perish. 
But the two ultimately survived and landed on the Marshall Islands, but only to be captured by the Japanese. And for a year and a half, he was tortured tremendously. And one wicked man by the name of the bird beat him mercilessly. They tried to use him because he was an Olympic star in his former days. They tried to use him against the United States. But after a year and a half, of course, the United States won. He was allowed to go home. And he married his sweetheart and heard the gospel and got saved and got to go back to Japan and be a witness for Christ and even tried to go to this, this man by the name of the bird who beat him and hurt him and tried to destroy him. He tried to witness to him, but of no avail. But it was used in a, a great and mighty way as a witness for Christ. And even now his story is being told. But what if he had given up on that float? What if he had given up in that prison house and said, I can't do it no more? Oh, what a difference his life would be. He wouldn't have known Jesus Christ and nay, he would be in a, a terrible place called hell. But he survived all that to hear about Jesus and be saved and be a witness even today. Abraham waited on God's provision. Joseph waited on God's promise. But the text that we have in front of us this morning in Psalm chapter 6, we see David waiting in pain. We don't really know exactly the pain that he was going through, the song that he was singing. Maybe it was the pain of having uh, a father-in-law by the name of Saul chase after him. I mean, family situations sometimes are difficult, but imagine a father-in-law was trying to kill you. <laughs> That's a little tough. <laughs> I mean, David's anointed king by Samuel, but Saul is actually still theoretically the king. And he's chasing after his son-in-law to destroy his life. Maybe it's the difficulties of, of the struggles of his own life internally. Oh, one of the most difficult things in life is to struggle as a believer with our Savior and our own personal sin. You ever get vexed in your soul because of our, your own sin? You ever had uh, that sin that you, that you and I choose as David prays and sings in and, and Psalm chapter 51, that sin ever be before you? That hand of God being upon your soul and it bothers you and in the night it wakes you up. You can't sleep. You can't think. You can't do anything. Every sermon that's preached from the pulpit, well, no matter what it may be, it's about that issue and you just have to get it right. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Somebody say amen or oh me. <laughs> I know we got a few sinners in the house this morning. Amen. <laughs> Maybe he's just vexed because of the problems of life. And all of us have them, don't we? What problem are you going through? What difficulty that's vexing you in your life? That you say, how long, oh Lord, is this going to continue to happen because the longer a problem goes in our life, it seems like it may be hopeless. You ever felt hopeless? You ever feel like there's never going to be at the end, of the end of the tunnel? I remember when I was in about third or fourth grade, I thought, man, I got five or six more, seven more years of this schooling. I'm never going to make it. <laughs> and in God's humor, he makes me a principal. How is that? <laughs> and they're telling me the same thing. And I'm saying, I know, I know, but you can if you will. You can. <laughs> oh, he may feel helpless sometimes. 
You ever feel helpless? I meet people come by me and say, Pastor Marty, would you pray for so-and-so? I feel so helpless. I can't do anything for them. I said, well, you can pray, can't you? You can love, can't you? You see, that's not enough. Sometimes that's all you have is prayer and love and care. We take that for granted so often that we would love somebody and care for somebody and try to help somebody. No, you can't fix every need. But we would love to just press a button and say, bingo, it's over. That's not God's way, nor is it God's will. The roast has to to cook in the pot for a while, amen, before it is good. It has to marinate or it will not be right to eat. And so times, so many times the problems in our life, it's for our best. And yeah, you can fix it with finances or you can fix it with this help or this word. And sometimes we can and sometimes we will. And sometimes we should, and sometimes we should not. Oftentimes we have folks come by the church and they say, I have a need. And I always say, you may have a physical need, but your spiritual need is far greater than your physical need. Oh, you have a physical need. The rent may be due. The power bill might need to be paid. Food might need to be uh, needed. But you know what? Ultimately, how's this going to help me a thousand years from now in my life? You may feel helpless, and we see this in verses 1 through 4. You may feel hopeless, and we see this in verses 5 through 7. But thank God for the hope renewed. I love that word, hope. How about you? The Bible says in verse 8, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Aren't you glad he hears your prayers? Aren't you glad in the middle of the night, Maybe you can't talk to your wife and probably shouldn't. Maybe you can't call someone on the phone and probably shouldn't. And you're not going to post it on Facebook and you probably shouldn't. You don't have to cry out to anyone, but you can cry out to him who always listens. He doesn't say to us, that's too many times. He doesn't say to us, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not open I'm not open today. My hours are 8 to 5. <laughs> he's always listening and ready. And more than that, he's wanting for me to communicate to him. Oh, you may have folks that are tired of hearing your crying, tired of hearing your wailing, tired of hearing about your needs. But dear friend, you have a father that loveth to know your needs. Oh, I love it when my kids come to me and they say, Dad, can you provide this? Now, after a while, it gets a little tiresome sometimes. But thank God we have the opportunity to meet the needs of our children. And God wants to meet our needs. Oftentimes in life, we get the opportunity to go down to the hospital and meet people. And this last year, I had the opportunity to go down to Hope Hospice right down the road here in Bonita Springs. I got to go down there when Paul Carr was there and how Riffer was there, and recently when Donna McGarry was there. And this last week or two, I went through and I walked out, and out there is a little waterfall. And that little waterfall, there's rocks, and in, that, in those rocks are the names of the people who'd been there. But scattered throughout those rocks was the word hope. Hope. 
Aren't you glad that you have a hope this morning? The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, he saw him alive. And he saw his miracles. He saw him when he died. And he saw him when he rose again. And he spent time with them after that 40 days after his resurrection. And now he's telling this church that's going through difficulties and pains and problems, you have a hope that is real. And it's not a, a hope that is dreamed of. It's not, a, it's not a fantasy. It's not a myth. It's something that's a reality in our lives if we'll simply believe that it's true. Do you believe that it's true? getting to spend time with these dear men like Paul Carr, I saw the hope that he had of salvation, not just from sin, but salvation to a better place called paradise. And as I looked at him for the last time, and he said, thank you, Gospel Baptist Church. And he wanted to thank us for loving him and helping him and encouraging him and being the place where he was saved from sin I could see and almost was jealous of his entering into that place of no more pain and no more sin and no more worry and no more crying and no more tears and a land of peace that will be forevermore. <laughs> oh, I visited Donna McGarry yesterday. I said, Donna, how you feel? And she said, blah. You ever feel just blah? <laughs> yeah, I said, I understand you're blah, though I can't understand the way you're going through right now. And I said, Donna, tomorrow I'm preaching on waiting on God. She said, I need that. You see, there's a reason why Donna McGarity is still alive. Because God has a reason, a purpose for her. And there's a reason why you're still on this earth. Because God has a reason and purpose for it. I don't understand it, nor can I explain it to you. But I know he's good. A stronghold in a day of trouble, as I've quoted, and he knoweth them that trust in him. God may be doing something in your life to help you right now. So he can use that situation in your life right now to help someone who's getting ready to go through another situation. Lady came in my office just last week. Her husband left her, for, left her for another woman. Destitute, hadn't worked. Life changed. And I said to her, I don't know why you're going through this, but I know 50% of the population is divorced. There's a whole lot of women out there who may need the comfort that God is comforting you with right now so that you can comfort someone else who's going through the same trouble right now. If you let him, if you allow him, if you don't get bitter at him, if you don't run away from him, he will use you. And you'll get to be a blessing for God's glory instead of just another burden and problem. And bitter, and bitter Christian, how, God's use, how is God using you right now in your life? 
What is God doing in your life that you're saying, how long, O oh Lord, is this going to last? The Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 14, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait on the Lord. Friday, I was reading through this new hymnal, and I love this new hymnal. And I came to page 33. And it says, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out thy greatness of thy loving heart. This was written by a girl in Ireland who died in her mid-30s. She had a brother who went on to be a missionary in China that died through the Boxer Rebellion. She just wrote two songs. But God used this lady to be a blessing for us over a hundred years from the time she wrote it. And God may use your life now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, maybe many, many years from now, if you will allow him and say, Lord, I trust you through this waiting through this period of suffering and difficulty, I know you will provide for me. I know I trust in your promises. And even in this pain, internally, externally, I know you're good and I choose today again to do your will. Will you? Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. You're doing something in our lives because you know what's best for us. Sometimes it's chastening. Sometimes it's encouraging. Sometimes it's withholding. And sometimes it's helping. But Lord, whatever it may be, we may not understand the why, but let us, let us choose to trust the who. We trust you this morning. May we trust you with all our heart. We thank you, Lord, Though it is difficult to say for the trials, the difficulties, the sorrows, the pain, the problems. Because ultimately we know your dear son went through those things and conquered them. And went to the cross and shed his blood so that each one of us could have everlasting life. And I pray God that you would do a great work in our hearts this morning. Whatever the need, whatever the situation, that you would help us to see what is best for us. Thank you for loving us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to choose you, to trust you, and ask you in this moment of need for help. And if not the need today, certainly the need tomorrow. And whatever it may be, may we believe that you're good and knoweth them that trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.